back to the show on this pretty sunny Melbourne morning. Julian DeStoop with you. A couple of hours to go on the captain's run, and then we'll get over to Perth, the second day of the West Test. Australia resuming at five for 346. David Warner was the big story heading into the test, and he's certainly the big story after day one, after making 164 and overtaking Matthew Hayden as our most prolific run scorer as an opener in Test Cricket. One man, it's a big part of the SEN Test Cricket team is Simon Kadic, and he joins us nice and early from Perth. G'day, Simon. Good morning, Julian. Great to have you on the program. Uh, it was David Warner's day yesterday. He answered some of the critics. Uh, what did you make of his performance uh, overall when you compare it to some of his other big hundreds? Look, it didn't come as a surprise. Uh, we spoke about it leading into the test that, you know, whenever he's backed up against the wall, there's no doubt that he's got a point to prove, and he proved it yesterday. I mean, his record in Australian conditions is absolutely astounding. It's, he averages over 58 prior to yesterday. Um, the way he went about it, it was it was vintage David Warner yesterday. I think the, the shot that typified it for me, he played a cover drive early on where he got down on one knee, bended back knee and just smoked it through cover. Um, I think it was off Shazad early, gets the new ball, and he stood there and held his pose for um, you know a good couple of seconds. And that sort of showed where he was at. He's obviously confident with his game after a very good World Cup for Australia. Um, and he knows these conditions really well, and he's got a phenomenal record against Pakistan. So it was no surprise to see him do well, um, even with all the criticism that had been coming his way leading in. But um, he responded, you know, as as champions always do, with runs on the board and, and setting Australia up for a very good uh, first innings total. Robert Craddock uh, has done his top 10 list of Australia's batters today, and he had uh, Dave at number eight. Uh, Steve Waugh was seven, and on the other side of him was Michael Clark. Where, where would you have him in terms of uh, all-time Australian batters? Yeah, look, it depends what formats you're talking about because I think the only question um, with Davey is, is obviously, particularly in Test cricket, is he never scored a Test 100 in India mm. or England. Um, and that's probably the only sort of you know cross against him in that respect in terms of Test cricket. But when you go across all three formats and the runs he's made in ODIs and T20 internationals, and he's probably the, the first real you know, all-format player for Australia, given when T20 started. So, you know, given that some of the greats like Ponting and Hayden and these guys didn't play as much T20 international cricket, you know, because it wasn't around when they were in the heat of their... well, in the middle of their careers. So, um, you know, when you look at it, Davey probably goes down as our greatest all-format opener um, when you look at his record, because across all three formats, he's been amazing. Unbelievable, and he'll still be a prominent figure in white ball cricket for quite some time. Just interested, Simon, when you watch a game of cricket or you're involved in a game of cricket, how much do you read into a team's psyche by their fielding? Oh, huge. Uh, and I, I said it yesterday on air, and I'll keep saying it until the cows come home, is that the overrate to me, and it's always been an indicator of a team's intent to play the game and get on with the game and, and have that intent to want to, you know, move the game forward. And I think Pakistan, to have only bowled 50 overs by the time T came around yesterday, was disgraceful. And I know there's always reasons around things with stoppages in play and, and you know, sometimes with third umpire stuff. But, I, like, 50 is just not good enough. And it, if anything, that showed where they're at. And it's a young, inexperienced team. Shah Massoud, first test as captain after taking over for Bubba's arm. So... You know, they were inconsistent with their bowling yesterday. There's enough in this wicket. I think Australia will bowl well on it. Um, we saw a number of balls bounce and, and seam yesterday. So they just weren't consistent enough. And, yeah, they're fielding, obviously, a couple of catches, the miss stumping, 
it was sloppy and um, that typified their day. I think that plus the overrate summed it up for them. Yeah, three balls in the captain, you know, a bit of a lazy effort in the field as well results in a run to Australia. Just on the overrates, this is we've been talking about this for years, that the overrates are not good enough in test cricket. Does there have to be bigger punishments for slow overrates? Yeah, they tried. I mean, they tried with fines. That doesn't work. Um, I mean, obviously, in, in the shorter formats now, there's some you know severe penalties in terms of the result of the game with fielders coming up into the ring and, and potentially the, uh, run penalties. So that's that's where it probably has to get to because you know you should be able to bowl, particularly when there's a decent amount of overs of spin bowl yesterday. Um, you know, someone got through. I think it was probably nearly close to 20 overs. So yeah, in that respect. They should have been better than they were. And, um, yeah, the ICC have to do something about it because that was ridiculous yesterday. So do we just – what's the best solution? Is it dock runs? Is it suspend the captain for the next match? If, if you were on the ICC and you had to come up with a suggestion for a punishment, what would it be? Well, I mean, the, the skipper's in control of, um, obviously, proceedings and, and how he rotates his bowlers. And, look – they didn't play a specialist spinner yesterday, but they still bowled a decent amount of overs of spin. Australia will, because Nathan Lyon will bowl well on this track. He's done well here in the past. So oh, I just think it's got to be something related to either the captain or the team in that match so that there's a substantial enough penalty that it impacts, you know, the, maybe the result of the test. But what it is, um, you know, what's fair, um, that's, that's probably always going to be the really subjective part of this. Speaking to Simon Caddich, a big part of the SEN Test cricket team. Just on the bowling of Pakistan yesterday, I noticed David Warner said after the match, like a lot of teams do when they come to Australia, that uh, once they're driven a couple of times, they you know they don't pitch the ball up enough and they bowl too short. Is that how you saw it with Pakistan yesterday? Yeah, well, they obviously didn't get off to a great start in the first over and there was a couple of nicks, but they flew high and wide and um, they sort of probably got discouraged because the runs were flowing, but... You know, when they hit a good length, and it wasn't, it didn't have to be half volley length. I think that's the problem is that people think, oh, you've got to pitch it up. But pitching it up doesn't mean it's half volley length that mm. you just get easily driven down the ground. And, you know, when they hit a good length, which I'm sort of talking that sort of anywhere between, I think it was around the six metre mark, and that's where the top of the stump sort of, every wicket changes, but um, the top of the stumps, yes, so it was around the six metre mark. So, and that's when Labashane got pinned in front. Uh, there was a number of player misses from that length. So there was enough happening, but they just could not consistently hit a length for any period of time. And even the medium paces that were bowling 130Ks, they bowl one or two good balls, beat the bat, and then all of a sudden the next three or four balls had travelled because they've gone too full or too short. And look, credit goes to the batsmen because Australia have got a very experienced top four and their footwork, particularly Davies, was good in, in being able to, once he uh, sussed out that someone was going back of a length, he'd then camp on the back foot and cut them all, and same with Travis Head. So, you know, you've got to give the batsmen some credit, but a young, inexperienced Pakistan attack just didn't have enough discipline on that wicket yesterday. This Australian side is pretty settled, Simon. Obviously, they're change at the top after Sydney when David Warner does depart. Uh, Alex Carey resumes 14 not out today. Given... His ashes was so-so, and I know it's a different form of the game, but he lost his spot uh, in the one-day game. How big are these next few test matches for Alex, both with the gloves and with the bat? Yeah, look, they're big. I think he's done a very good job for Australia. I mean, obviously, he, he had some good knocks in England, but then he also you know, had a, a situation with the Bearstow incident that probably played on his mind, and then he, he tapered off at the end of that. And then he had a tough tour of India where he averaged just over nine. So... 
there's no doubt that Josh Inglis has come into the one-day setup at a good World Cup. had got a great 100 in the T20 Internationals in India recently. He's a very good player of spin and a very good gloveman. So, you know, he'll be putting pressure on. He's a good young player. But at the moment, I think, you know, they're really happy with what Alex Carey's done. And, and it's a great opportunity for him today on a good wicket to go out there with Mitch Marsh and really push on for 400 plus. Well, any doubt that Dave Warner wouldn't make it through to Sydney. That is over now. He's going to play these uh, this series. Uh, Cam Green, pretty big revelation from Cam Green yesterday that he's got a chronic kidney disease. And well done to Cam and his family for for speaking up about that. I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, you're one in the camp that believes he should be considered for the top of the order? Yeah, I am. And I, the reason I say that is purely because I think he's got a far superior first-class record um, for WA than the other three guys they're mentioning at the top of the order. I know he hasn't opened, but I just think he's got the game to be able to adapt. And I think it actually might suit him better. His, his best cricket for WA has been batting at four. So... I'm not suggesting that they shuffle the order because I think the others are really happy. Labashane's happy at three, Smith's happy at four. But I think if you ask him the question, I think he'd rather be in that test team and and playing than not. And I also think a big part of it is because, um, you know, when he has played in these last couple of years, you know, he's taken pressure off the four bowlers, obviously Lyon and the three quicks with his um, bowling. He's a gun in the gully. And I just think at 24 years of age, there's big upside with him. I think, you know, he looks like he's a genuine test player. Um, I think he was, you know, the only reason I think he's out of this team at the moment is purely because his preparation for the Ashes wasn't great. He had two months in the IPL. Yep. You can't begrudge him for going there because he got a big payday. He wanted to obviously develop his white ball game, and he did that. He had a, a good IPL for Mumbai. So you can't begrudge him that. But I think in hindsight, it's a great lesson for him and also the hierarchy to realise that, you know, it's probably cost him his test spot because he had a good tour of India prior to that. He got 100 in India in tough conditions. Um, and I think he's a good young player. So that's my thinking around it. Do you think that's the way that, if you've got a gut feeling which way they'll go? Oh, my gut thinks that they'll probably go with one of those three, whether it's Bancroft, Renshaw or... Um, uh, Harris because they're specialist openers but I, I just think you know Mitch Marsh the other part of this is that you know he's still got to nail down his spot he had a good end of the ashes but historically his durability's always been a bit of an issue at test cricket with the bowling factor so if he's not bowling and he's just in that top six as a, a bat then that means it's going to put more pressure on on the big three with their overs and workloads and given the schedule it's you know that that's been a big part of our success is our attack and the experience in it so you're trying to keep them on the park, and, and that's where I think Cameron Green's got a role to play. Speaking of Simon Caddish, a big part of the SEN Test Cricket team. Uh, they'll be back on air at 12 o'clock Australian Eastern Daylight Time ahead of day two. A lot of talk, Simon, in the lead-up and over the last few years about the crowds in Perth. Christina Matthews wanted 25,000 on the opening day. Official crowd, 16,200. What, what's the reaction been in, in Perth about that, that crowd size on day one? Yeah, look, it's always hard to get a gauge, given it's a Thursday. I mean, today will be an interesting one, being Friday. Um, hopefully there's a bigger crowd today. I mean, the atmosphere yesterday was pretty good. I think the people that came, you know, were entertained by an Australian uh, batting order that was, you know, playing beautifully. And David Warner, you know, it's the last time, you know, the Perth crowd seen in test cricket. So um, they were treated to, a, you know, a special knock from him and, and some good cameos from the others. So, and I think, Today, with Mitch Marsh being at the crease, mm. hopefully the crowd will swell because, you know, he's his favourite son here. And uh, if he can get going, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, it is a bigger crowd today. Just about as long as possible today, Australia, do you think? Or if it's 
will there be a de- declaration at some stage, or they just, they'll just bat, bat and bat? Oh, I think they'll just bat and get as many as they can because I think, given the way the schedule is and the amount of cricket they've played this year, oh, I think um, you know any shorter session, bowling session they've got will will keep these quicks in in good order for the rest of the summer and and what's to come into next year as well because it's just it's a cramped schedule and. Um, even the amount of cricket they played this year has been phenomenal. So, yeah, I can see Australia trying to get to 450 to 500. Speaking of fast bowlers, did you bump into Mitch Johnson at all yesterday? The, the television coverage was happy to show a few shots of him every time David Water smacked a four. Did you, did you bump into big Mitch? Yeah, I did. I saw Mitch a few times in and around the commentary booth. So, look, obviously it would have been a tough day after what he said. But, look, at the end of the day, you know, the, the stats were there, and, and it has been a tough sort of 12 to 18 months for David Warren. Spent a lot of talk around his spot, so I, I think he, he made some valid points. I guess the biggest problem's been is that obviously David Warner gets 160 <laughs> yesterday, but it was probably the fact that it looked like a personal thing, and that's that's where you know Mitch has since come out and said I probably overstepped the mark a bit with some of the things that were in his article, but. You know, there were some valid points around his form, but um, you know, David Warner's you know squashed that yesterday with 164. As a former Australian player, are you in the Justin Langer camp that you're a little bit uneasy of former players criticising current players, or given you know you're in the media now, it's got to be strong opinions from former players if if that's where they're making their living. Yeah, look, I, I saw what he said. I, I'm not sure that Mitch was being stubborn. I, I just think. It was probably the way it came across. And I think, like, in my situation, you know, the stuff that you say that, you know, generally um, you try and be as positive as possible because we're watching some great cricket. But there's always going to be, you know, something that probably comes across as negative because something hasn't gone to plan out in the middle, whether it's tactics or whether it's a shot or whether it's someone's bowling. But hopefully the players understand that a lot of it's just constructive um, criticism if it comes across that way. But... You know, so far I haven't had too many of the ex or the players out there currently, um, you know, coming up for a chat saying, "Why'd you say this about me?" Because ultimately, you know, we call it as we see it, and hopefully, you know, we're reasonably positive about the team because they've been playing some great cricket, and that's the way I've sort of seen it. We should be, yeah. And just finally, I mean, we've had some great years in Australian cricket, but uh, where, where would you rate this one given the achievements and uh, particularly on the road? Yeah, look, I mean, this team didn't quite get to the challenge of winning in India. And that's always a tough one because, you know, there's only been one side in 2004, um, you know, that's won in India in the last probably 40 or 50 years that we've been going there. So that's that's the challenge that this group might or hopefully has a chance to try and rectify in the next few years if they get back there. Um, but ultimately, the rest of it, you know, the, the win in the World Cup, I think is arguably our greatest ever World Cup victory because... Yep. It was in Indian conditions against a very, very good Indian team, um, and they'd been playing great cricket. and And it was, you know, a slow start by Australia. We got back in the in the contest, and then we played our best at the end. So that was arguably our greatest World Cup victory. And there's been some great World Cup victories over the years. So um, this team, I think it ranks it's up there because I think the the attack will go down as one of our greatest um, ever. And when you look at them all statistically. Um, and then, you know, our top four at the moment, um, and even when you add Travis Head and the way he's progressing, you know, it's it's a very, very good team and, and they're challenging for, you know, being one of the great Australian teams. Forecast look great for the test match. What's it like over there this morning? 
Yeah, it's beautiful as always. Beautiful blue sky. <laughs> I think we're going to get you know another lovely day. It was perfect conditions yesterday. It wasn't too hot. Um, and, yeah, hopefully uh, we're going to get some more good cricket today. Let's hope so. And, uh, yeah, the locals would love it if Mitch Marsh got a, a, uh, amongst the runs this afternoon. Uh, Simon, as always, thanks for your time. We look forward to hearing you with the SEN Test Cricket team this afternoon. My pleasure. Always great to have Simon Cadditch on the show. Speaking of uh, scoring at a decent uh, rate, uh, the first or the women's only test between India and England last night. Uh, India 7 for 410 at stumps on day one. No problem with the overrates there. 94 overs uh, bowled on in the day. Of course, uh, the Australian women's cricket team are in India. They will play a test match as part of a uh, multi-format series uh, coming up as well. But uh, Indian batters in pretty good nick by the look of that. Uh, just some news before the break. Uh, bad news for the Socceroos. Uh, Matthew Leckie, hamstring injury, suffered in the Asian Champions League earlier this week. Four to six weeks on the sidelines. That's a big blow given he was such a key player at the World Cup but last year. This is a captain's run for state transport. Our people are your solution. And for Essen and Nissan, looking after you and your families, motoring Essen and Nissan. Too easy that you can find them at Wirraway Road, Essen and Fields.